0: Hey there, it's time for episode 23 of Engines Under Ursus, called Android in the Middle. Music in this episode is Dimensions by Aaron Darrington. Previously on Engines Under Ursus. Back in CityNet, Saul received the Earth message via SPAD about the hotel floor Carter and the other identity theft victims had stayed on in the Urstal Embassy Hotel. Saul's eyes focused on the final words in the message. Not sure if I can make it back. My power is almost gone. The key to it is the hotel. But you're going to have to talk to Walt to figure out what the hackers have done. Only he can help us now. Good luck. Sol looked out of the window of his virtual apartment as the floaters sped past, thinking about the next steps. Walt had replaced Fowler as the CTO of CityNet, since Fowler had been sent to the tank. Walt was the smartest guy that Saul knew, but he also worked around the clock and almost never left the office. Saw looked at the clock. He realized whatever he was going to do, he was going to have to do it fast. In an empty underground executive switch-and-ride facility on the outskirts of downtown Erstal, the dull red light in the arrivals area clicked to green and began to flash. A VIP was coming. Inside the plush room, shrouded in darkness, lights buzzed on. Heaters kicked in and a small set of servo droids scuttled around the floor to make sure there was no dirt or loose debris from the previous arrival. Scented air moved through ceiling filters. A silver-faced, black-and-white-dressed butler stepped out of his storage unit, the two doors hissing apart efficiently, and he prepared an assortment of warm towels and some aftershaves. Inside the room was a series of cubicles, and the one with the name Saul, E242, had an electric blue light emanating from it, which flashed a little, indicating network activity. Inside the cubicle, Saul dropped into his Ansible 3 unit, and his memory form face filled out the bland face. Expression replaced nondescript lines. The white, almost angelic suit darkened to a stylish one, and an amber ring carved with the letter S formed around one of Saul's fingers. The shoes were last. They were dark and shiny, and his transformation was complete. There would be no walking cane today. It was strictly business. Saul opened his eyes, and he stepped out of his unit and slid on his light-sensitive shades. He pushed open the door and nodded at the servo droid, who had the toiletries ready for him. I got it from here, said Saul. Certainly, sir, replied the servo unit, and he retreated into his waiting area but not before Sol flicked him a couple of stalls, which the droid gratefully took, and then disappeared. Sol straightened his cufflinks and brushed down his suit. He looked into the mirror at his appearance and wondered if it would be one of the last times he would step into this bricks-and-mortar reality. He put some cool water over his face and then applied some aftershave, and placed his two hands on the worktop. Sol sucked in the scented air and gathered his thoughts regarding what he needed to do. There was a single thought in his mind which he could not shake and he let it out as he looked at his android appearance in the mirror. If I make it out of this, I want to be a better man, he said. But you're not a man. You're an android, replied another voice in his mind. You know what I mean, he said to himself in the mirror. Walt's no travelling salesman, he said, remembering Carter Cushing. I know. Saul shook his head. Walt knows every line of code that's in you. He wrote half your subsystems. No problem. I'll use my inimitable charm. He didn't work on that part, smiled Sol to himself. Saul took the elevator to the surface and arrived on the busy streets and walked up the crowded avenue to downtown. In the distance, Saul could see CityNet Towers, where Fowler had once worked. The shiny, reflective building was the centrepiece of the domed world of Rustle. Saul recalled how Walt had once challenged Saul to a game of chess, using timers. Sal had been convinced he would win until Walt had remotely called up a subroutine in Sal's subsystem, which had forced him to reboot. The reboot time had taken longer than the time to make a move, and Walt had claimed a victory. Walt's words echoed in Sal's mind. Machines are nothing more than elaborate forgeries of life, Sol, he pointed at the chessboard. QED. Machines will always be beaten. You just cheated. That's all you did. Was all Saul said, and the two went their separate ways. Saul had left Citynet to set up his club, and then Walt became CTO. Here goes nothing, thought Saul, as he picked up his walking pace. He picked up a phone and speed dialed his contact inside Citynet. Yeah, said Saul, I'm on my way. Doctor Walter Shale, A.K.A. Walt stood up at the principal's meeting at CityNet on the top floor of the building, which overlooked Dane's park. The windows automatically dimmed, cutting out the direct sunlight, as the meeting began. Walt walked to the top of the long table, where all the divisional heads were sitting. Sandra sat beside Delcas. Mesler sat opposite them between the heads of finance and interactive experiences. He scratched the skin under his sweaty armpits, and then smelled his fingertips absentmindedly. Walt's presentation was the most eagerly awaited as it dealt with the progress of New Erstal. A holographic image of New Erstal appeared and Walt spoke up. He was over six feet seven tall. His large Adam's apple bobbed up and down as he talked in his deep voice. Progress on New Erstal has improved since the arrival of Representative Chop from Zeta Reticula Prime. The rats are happier now that one from their own pool is in charge. Representative Both Orr has been transitioned out. Hardline integration testing has begun, and is officially in beta testing with our teams. The problem we experienced with the SPAD connection arrays has been solved, and we have a clean, reliable FDL feed between our data centers on Urstel and New Erstal. Data centers in SC6 are now fully operational, and we have set up test stems and replicators. Beta user migration can begin once the migration modules have been customized. Hermetically sealed SC7 units are being installed as we speak, and the plan is that they will be online within the next quarter, increasing operational capability and increased bandwidth for our user base with low cost. Increased security around the MAG-G drives has been initiated by Representative Choth. since our security audit. We received some limited clearance certificates to see the Cartesian drive, but we require pre-date clearance and access is only available to principals with M1 clearance. DelCast. And Sandra nodded as this was their request. Terraforming has begun for the new campus in the human sector and the long pole items are being addressed as they come up. A chart popped up with the green and red items. All in all, we are on track to begin limited settlement by the end of quarter three once environmental controls are in place. Additionally, I would like to announce an important new hire to operational security to my team. Kay Brunner is joining us from Earth and is a specialist in online security and virtual systems having worked with our leading competitors on Earth. She created the industry standard open source karma stack, which we are already using in our gaming rooms, improving member experience and satisfaction. Recent anti-machinist laws and downsizing created an opportunity for us to hire her, so Earth's loss is our gain. She will personally assist me with the current service, as I have to deal with the additional new Earth's workload. The presentation ended, and Sandra wrapped her knuckles off the long wooden table to indicate her approval. The other divisional heads joined in. Good work as ever, Walt, said Sandra approvingly. Now, Delcas has an announcement. Delcas stood up. As you all know, we have all been set ambitious targets and many of us have exceeded in our roles. Dwight Mesler has done a great job in the customer complaints department, keeping our claim numbers and payouts to record lows. It is therefore with great pleasure. I would like to announce the promotion of Mesler to head of systems effective immediately. He will take over the day-to-day running now that Mirsky has decided to spend more time with his family. This time there was limited clapping and Mesler nodded to everyone, looking nervous but happy. Waltz looked on and clapped a little, knowing that Mesler effectively acted as Delcastle's eyes and ears on the team and reported everything to him. The meeting ended and everyone went back to their offices. Mesler walked alongside Walt as they exited the conference room. "'You got some time to give me an overview of systems?' asked Mesler. "'Maybe, maybe we could get an early lunch and, and talk it over. "'They're doing a special at the diner today.' "'I'm heading out for lunch,' said Walt. "'Training for the Urstall Triathlon. We "'Need to do some endurance training. "'You want to come along? "'We could talk while we run,' replied Walt. Eh, "'Nah, I think I'll give it a rain check.' replied Mesler faintly. Put some meetings on my calendar and I'll be there, said Walt. Where are you doing the swim? asked Mesler. Devil's Lake near the Badlands, answered Walt. They still have sea creatures there, don't they? Sure, replied Walt. But we'll have nets. Oh, replied Mesler. Did you find Kay a desk? Yeah, Replied Mesler. She'll, uh, she'll be in systems for now, near where father used to sit. Good. Replied Walt. I'll, uh, I'll see you round then. Said Mesler, as Delcass called him. It was K Brunner's first day at her job. She had been given a seat in the busy systems office and sat at an empty desk with just a chair. In front of her was a document which she electronically signed, and then she was given a glass of water with a single white tablet. In the office, there were people sitting at their empty desks, working on invisible screens, and busily talking and moving their hands around. She took the tablet and the glass of water, and waited patiently. Eventually, an image appeared in front of her vision, as the nanotechs combined with her visual cortex, and she was signed onto to the company network. Welcome to CityNet. Please wait, said a voice in her head. She raised her eyebrows a little, having never joined a network like this before. Logging on. Welcome, Cabe Runner. Then, almost magically, a terminal and computer equipment appeared in front of her, and the office all around her filled up with equipment. She was in and began reading the company's getting-started documents. It was several minutes before Walt appeared. Welcome on board, he said, smiling. I want you to get to know all the overall systems, so I will give you bugs to fix on the different parts of the system. He flexed his hand and a Rolodex of Windows appeared. He spun the Rolodex and threw open window after window in front of Kay. There's glitching in the game sector. Hackers are trying exploits on the APIs. Stim problems with certain users who are experiencing vertigo. Occasional comms problem with the new SC7 data center during solar flares. We need an enhancement to the layered API for the physics engine. Hardlight engine is using a legacy API and we need to use a new one. Real-time user monitoring locks up intermittently due to threading conflicts. The windows kept coming, and Kay found it hard to keep up with it all. That should keep you busy for now. Let me know if you have any questions. I have to go up for lunch. Is uh, is this all the documentation you have on the systems? She wondered, pointing at the getting started section. Best to just read the code. That's what I did when I got started. The stim code and remoting is a lot of fun. When I get back... I'll bring you online. Kay nodded. Thanks, she replied. Walt took the glass elevator down the side of the building to the underground car park. He was looking forward to the run as a way to freshen up. The new erstal work project had problems at every turn, but Walt found it refreshing to build something from scratch. In the car park, he took out his keys and walked towards his floater. In the dark shadows of the car park, he saw a man slowly approach, but then realized it was not a man, but an Ansible 3 unit. Walt looked over at the Ansible 3 and recognized the face. "'Hi, Walt,' said Sol. "Saul, to what way all the pleasure of this visit?' There was a slight irony in his voice. "'I need your help with a problem I have,' replied Sol. "'I'm busy. Plus, you're trespassing. Get out of here before I call security.' Walt resumed walking to his floater. Look, I only need a couple of minutes of your time. CityNet shut down my business, and I only got a day before they shut me down, too. Walt snorted. Take it up with the customer services. He beeped his floater. I did. There were no help. CityNet has been hacked, and you guys don't know it. I figure you were the only one who'd understand. Saul gave Walt the incident report, and Walt took it reluctantly. He frowned as he scanned it. Where did you get this? This is company confidential. I got friends in those places, said Saul. Walt flicked through the document quickly. So I see some things haven't changed with you. Walt got into his floater. I'm busy, Saul. You should be happy I haven't reported this incident. You can get sent to the tank for stealing CityNet documents. Now get out of here before I make a call. You used to have a credit rating with me, but you just used it all up. Tom Fowler would have listened to me, said Saul. Yeah, and look where he is now. You care to join him? Walt's face tightened. Oh, and I guess you don't care that you've been outsmarted then, said Saul with a final parting comment before Walt shut his door. Thought I'd never see the day. Walt rolled his window down and smiled a little. Nice try, Saul. Only trouble is, I worked on your personality program. I know every trick you'll try to get me to do this. It won't work. Sol frowned. I just need a couple of minutes of your time to check out the Urstal Embassy suite. Then I'm out of your hair. However, Walt just rolled up his window and backed out. The car swung around. Sol uttered his final word. Please. But the flutter was gone. Dejectedly, Sol left the underground car park and walked along the side of the tall building. That's it, he thought to himself. I'm toast. As he walked, Walt's floater pulled up alongside him unexpectedly. "Get in," he barked, "before I change my mind." Saul got into the floater, a little confused. "I don't get it. What changed?" asked Saul, wondering if Walt was just being deliberately cruel. "I checked out the class action suit," replied Walt. You didn't mention it's for a billion stalls plus change, and it looks like we're going to have to pay. So, you have my attention for forty-two minutes. Which hotel is it again? Erstal Embassy Suites, replied Sol. Hang on, said Walt. The floater swung around and picked up speed. Don't you have something to say to me, Sol? said Walt. Saul bit his android lip, finding the words harder than he expected. Yeah. Thank you. And take off those sunglasses. You don't need to wear them in my floater. Sal sighed and reluctantly took them off. The hotel was expansive, running along the exclusive hills leading up to the side of the dome. Part of the hotel was a dome within a dome. Walt's floater was taken away to the car park, and both man and machine stood outside the wide, glassy entrance, filled with frosted images of Earth legends. Inside the lobby, to the left, on the east wing, was an entrance into the gambling casino and open-plan stage where performers thrilled onlookers. Saw looked to the right, at the west wing, where tourists sat around over some drinks and compared notes on their online experience. There were promotions for CityNet everywhere, but the key exhibit in the lobby was the Viking adventure-themed set. A scales model of a Viking boat took pride of place. The mock boat and slowly moving Viking models simulated a boat which had reached the edge of the world and it stood precariously on the edge of a small waterfall which dropped into an overflow pool a few metres deep. Some people and kids threw stalls into the pool and made a wish. A Viking at the apex of the boat pointed out at the approaching abyss and had fear in his frozen eyes. Behind the boat was a giant frosted glass image of Thor, and on the adjacent wall were life-size Viking axes and even a reproduction of Thor's mallet. Nearby, kids scaled the wall with fixed climbing points, held in place by ropes and a single instructor. Some tourists looked on amusingly. Saul looked at the bar in the west wing to his right and recalled Carter Cushing's story of how he had met Tiffany there, and gone back to his room. He noticed a man lying flat on his back, wearing earphones, snoring on a large, expensive lounger. He wore a T-shirt. Which was a size too small and which said my grandma went to erstel and all i got was this lousy t-shirt his fat hairy stomach bobbed up and down as he slept and one of his flip-flops lay on the ground comes halfway across the universe but he's still a dork mused sol walt said nothing but smiled a little looking for the check-in desk Saul looked up through the glass-plated ceiling of the entrance at the rows of neatly stacked rooms situated at the back of his hotel They had a panoramic view of Urstel and were one of the best views to be had in the domed world. Up there was one of the rooms where Carter had stayed. They went over to the reservations desk, which was empty. Saul was about to ring the bell, but instead, Walt vaulted over the desk impatiently and began accessing the CityNet servers which were present in all the buildings offering a live CityNet feed. He had a fixed stare and focus when he worked, pulling up the server details with speed and checking out the state of the servers in the hotel. Sam Spyro, the hotel's manager, appeared from a room, appalled by what he was seeing. Well, "'What is the meaning of this?' he demanded. "'Stop Stop this at once!' he moved his round-rimmed spectacles up the bridge of his nose. "'Who are you?' asked Walt, undeterred. The manager was surprised by the disrespectful tone. "'Who are you?' demanded Spyro. "'You go first,' said Walt. "'I, I am the manager of this hotel, Sam Spiro.' He waved over the security guards who were in the lobby. A human and a Nocturian guard came over and stood beside Walt. This is official sitting-up business, said Walt, showing his credentials. We have reason to believe this hotel has been involved in acts of fraud. Spyro looked shocked. We are a highly respectable establishment. Then let me, do my work, said Walt. You had a recent customer, Carter Cushing. Walt checked out the logs and found his online details. He stayed in room 5123. We need you to take us there immediately. If you do not cooperate, I will be forced to revoke your CityNet license. We have nothing to hide, said Spyro, blinking rapidly. Good, then take us to the room, said Walt. He gestured to Sol, indicating he was with him. The security guards were waved off and Sam Spyro took Walt and Saul up to the room. Taking one of the elevators situated to the left of the check-in desk. In the elevator, there was a promotional video playing regarding the CityNet features. Come to CityNet. Get online. A small video played showing a customer taking the powdered drink and then later entering a gaming room. Where the only barrier is your imagination, said the speaker. Walt opened his personal organizer. Explain this outage on 816 he said to Spyro as the elevator ascended. The chart showed all the CityNet traffic which had dropped to nothing for several hours before it was restored. The incident report log had only one word recorded. Fire. Yes, I recall there was a fire several months ago, said Spyro. Walt noticed that the class action suit was logged by CityNet users since the fire but did not tell Spyro. I can read. Tell me about it. Well, uh, well, there was a fire in one of the kitchens, and it knocked out our power supply for a couple of hours. Your hotel plans show the power source is not near the kitchen. Explain that. Oh, uh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, said Spyro. There was, um, um, an, um, an explosion. Hmm, replied Walt. He looked down at Spyro like he wanted to squash him like a bug. The manager of the hotel was really beginning to annoy him. Knocked out? How? It was, um, uh, yes, uh, I recall now. Um, g- gas cylinders with and some kind of chain reaction which severed the power lines. And you reported a fire? I'm the manager of this establishment, not the fire brigade. But you signed off on this report. I'm, I'm not sure if I recall exactly the details. We, we have thousands of guests in this hotel. Every day, I, I don't recall every incident. You could you could write a book about the people who come through this hotel and the things that happened to them. My job is to keep everything running smoothly. The elevator doors opened and they walked up to the room where Carter Cushing had stayed. You, you're in luck. It's just been cleaned, he said. A dribble of sweat rolled down the side of his neck. His hand was shaking a little and the door lock clicked open. Behind them, in the wide corridor, a server droid walked by them, pushing a trolley full of toiletries and towels. Sol glanced at the cleaning android, feeling a powerful EM field emanating from it. He thought it a little strange, but then entered the room with Walt and Spiral. The room was a suite with a large double bed. The bathroom had a deep bath with room for two, and there was a sitting area with a city net lounger suitable for going online. It was positioned beside a set of double doors which could be opened and overlooked Erstal. Walt took out a scanner and analysed the CityNet feed, which checked out. He walked over to the CityNet lounger. Beside it were CityNet satchels and clear water glasses where newbies could take a drink before waiting to get online. Once the nanotechs took, they could sit on the seat and jack in. Saul, said Walt, some help here. I need to check out the transmitters in this chair. Open it up. Sure, said Saul. He leaned over the leather chair and tore it in half. "'Oh, my God!' gasped Spyro. "'Those chairs cost ten thousand stalls each.' "'You won't need these chairs anymore if I shut down your city net bead,' threatened Walt. Spyro shook his head. His face was red, indicating he was under a great deal of stress, and wiped his sweaty brow. Walt examined the transmitter in the chair. "'You find anything?' asked Sol. "'Just let me do my job,' barked Walt. He walked over to the wall beside the bed and scanned it. Here, pointed Walt. There is a cable leading to the network transit point. I need access to jack the cable. Sol nodded and formed a fist. He punched through the wall, but he used so much force that his fist went through the wall and into the next room. A woman in the next room screamed and spiro moulded. No, no, no. I guess they need a new room, said Sol, looking at the semi-naked couple through the open hole. Saul looked in. Sorry, routine maintenance. Spyro immediately made a call. Saul then pulled away the wall paneling and then turned the bed over. Walt scanned the cable which ran into the floor. There's a rooting panel in the floor, he pointed at it. Open it. Saul tore up the carpet and punched his finger through the box and it was opened. Careful, said Walt. Don't damage it. Sol nodded and Walt examined the connections and small flashing lights indicating network activity. Walt just nodded to himself. So, said Sol, what now? Get Spyro, said Walt. You found something? wondered Sol. Maybe, replied Walt evasively. Sol brought Spyro back into the room. By now he was perspiring heavily and covered in flop sweat. It looked like even his cheeks were sweating. He took out a handkerchief and wiped his eyelids and dabbed his face. "'Are you okay?' asked Walt. "'I've, uh, I've a cold, that's all,' he replied, and feigned a cough. is, is there anything else I can do for you?' said Spyro. "'Bring us to the net server room for this floor,' said Walt. Spyro blinked rapidly and walked ahead of the two men. They passed through a staff-only door and used his fob to gain access.' At the bottom of the corridor was another room with a CityNet Inc. logo on it, which read, Restricted Access Only for Authorized CityNet Employees. We'll take it from here, said Walt. Spyro nodded and walked quickly away. The staff fire door closed and he was gone. You see the way he was sweating? asked Sol. He's under severe stress, commented Walt. He's clearly hiding something. Man like that is used to stress. To sweat like that is a bad sign. "'For him?' wondered Sol. Walt shook his head and his face hardened. "'No. For us.' Together, they stood outside the CityNet server room for that floor. Walt scanned the door to the room. He switched on a device which micro-scanned the seals on the door. "'What are you thinking?' asked Sol. "'Android in the middle attack. Possibly,' replied Walt. "'How'd they do that? I thought CityNet was supposed to be secure.' If I told you, I'd have to shoot you. Walt did not smile. That's okay. I just get into the body. But I kind of like this one. Walt looked at Sal impressed. We need proof of an attack. Right now, we don't have it. So how do we get it? Asked Sol First things first. When we go into the server room, you will see an area by the wall. Outlined on the floor with a red ring. I want you to stand inside that ring and do not move. At shoulder height, you will see a red button. I want you to place your hand over that button. When I tell you, you must press it. Do I make myself clear? Saul nodded. Is there anything in what I said that is unclear? No, replied Saul. I am relying on you, Saul. I got it, answered Saul. I just stand there and I press it when you tell me. Are you sure you understand? Sal pointed at his head. I got computer chips up here, not potato chips. Walt expressed a breath and then opened the door to the server room. Go, ordered Walt. Sal stood in the area Walt described and placed his hand over the red button. The server room had plain white walls shielded from outside signals. In the middle of the room was a CityNet server box, which was square and had a console on top of it, but no keyboard. Walt closed the doors, and the lights turned on, sensing movement in the room. The door to the room slid shut behind him, sealing them in. Walt used his organizer to summon up a holographic screen, and the server console appeared, detailing the user sessions which were online and the health of the CityNet servers which was connected to the data centers downtown. He then closed down the screen and began pulling the paneling away from the side of the server, examining each one. What are you looking for? asked Sol. "'Something that shouldn't be there,' said Walt. "'How can you tell?' wondered Sol. "'I designed every piece of this room, including its equipment. I'll know.' He shook his head, tired of the stupid questions. He took out the other panels. Uh "'Aha,' said Walt finally. "'On one of the panels was a small square block of metal, "'no bigger in dimensions than an inch squared, "'which was not part of his original plans. "'I need to run a test, Sol!' said Walt. Sure, replied Saul. What do you need? You, but don't move. Walt walked over to Saul. I need some of your emergency cabling. Walt opened Saul's shirt. Pop your case. Saul did so and Walt took a look inside, fumbling around Saul's cabling. This just don't feel right, said Saul. Don't be bashful. I do this all the time at home to my androids. Saul made a face. Now you're worrying me. Walt uncurled a roll of red and black wires, bringing it over to the panel. Walt took out a penknife and cut the wire, exposing the metal core. He then took the two pieces and prepared to join them together. Run some voltage through it, said Walt. What do you need? Five hundred bolts should do it. Done, said Sol. Walt pushed the two wires together and they arced, producing a spark. Ow, replied Sol. That's me. Don't be a baby. Take the pain, said Walt. Easy for you to say, smarted Sol. You ain't getting your ass electrocuted. Get ready to push that button, said Walt. Sol nodded. Slowly, Walt brought the two wires together against the block of metal and passed some current through them. There was a flash of light. Sol winced. Second test, said Walt. He tried it again and waited. "'Increase your voltage! Max it out!' Sol nodded, raising his eyes a little. "'You got it. Test number three, said Walt. He applied the voltage again, and a larger spark arced. "'It's beginning,' said Walt. "'Get ready!' The small block of metal began to change shape and transformed, growing a small set of legs, and then ran into the heart of the machine, looking like a cube on legs. "'Damn it!' He shone a light into the hardware, trying to see where the memory form had gone. Suddenly, he began to hear the sound of an insect's buzzing wings. The memory form had transformed into an insect, which looked like a dragonfly, except that it had a needle-like nose, which it could use to attack those it chose. It came close to Walt and he instinctively picked up a panel and knocked it across the room. The insect regained its footing and was back in the air again. Walt was its target. All it needed to do was get in through his eyeball and into his brain and then self-destruct as it was programmed to do upon discovery. It weaved around Walt, looking for a way in. Walt let out a shout as the insect tried to outmaneuver him. Now, Sol! he shouted, swinging at the insect intent on ending his life. But Sol had taken his arm away from the red button for some reason and did not press it. For that brief moment, Walt wondered had he been set up. Had Sol been the android in the middle all along? Walt let out a final shout as the insect dodged the swing of the panel. It headed straight for his right eye. Still, Sol had not pushed the button. Now, Sol! Now! shouted Walt. His deep voice rocked the small room. (音声) Thank you.